Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special set of episodes for Art Drama Llama called The Llama Exclusive. We will still look beyond the galleries and dish on the art world's gossip, rivalries, and eccentricities, but we will also cover current events or interesting things that are happening in the art world right now. My name is Anja. My name is Manchi. And I'm Vartika. And today we're going to look beyond Boris Lurie and his insane amount of money that he has, but not from art. Who is Boris Lurie? I've never heard of him. Yeah, I haven't, I hadn't either until I saw this article from The Guardian that was talking about Boris Lurie. Uh, And essentially, spoiler, he has, he died with a hundred million dollars but he never sold a painting in his life. So he earned a crap ton of money in his life, but it didn't come from his art. Um, and we can talk about how that happened. And, and Whoa, what? This sounds yeah. so sus. <laughs> so we'll get all, we'll get to that. But first, just a quick biography on Boris Lurie. So he was born in 1924 in Leningrad, Russia, and grew up in Riga, Latvia. Uh, And when he was 16, he was taken prisoner by the Nazis and imprisoned for four years at Buchenwald and other concentration camps. Uh, His mom, his sister, grandmother, and teenage girlfriend were all shot in the Rumbula Forest on the outskirts of Riga in December 1941. The Rumbula massacre was one of the largest atrocities to be carried out by the Nazis over the course of two days, uh, and there were approximately 30,000 Jews who were killed. After he was liberated, Boris Lurie remained in Germany for a year and then worked for the U.S. Army Counterintelligence Corps, and then he moved to New York in 1946 and then really began his art career there. Um, He also lived briefly in Paris from 1954 to 1955. So he really first gained national attention in 1960 when he, along with Sam Goodman and Stanley Fisher, created the No! Exclamation Mark Art Movement. And the whole point of the No! Art Movement was to bring back into art the subjects of real life. And it was a radical avant-garde anti-art movement that was uh, looking to deliver a shock to the complacent consumerist society around them. And it was an antithesis to two of the most popular movements of the era, abstract expressionism and pop art. And we know a little bit about both of these, but um, just for the listeners, like pop art was, the whole point of pop art was to bring in cult, like popular culture into art. Um, like whenever you see the giant painting that was just like this comic, it looked like a comic strip, but it was on a giant canvas with the dots in the background. That's an example of pop art. So the whole purpose of no art was really to combat how much popular culture was infiltrating the art movement um, and really trying to stand against the consumerist perspective that was happening in art. But the critics and curators then rejected Laurie and no art. And as Laurie stated, The art market is nothing but a racket. There is an established pyramid which everyone who wants to benefit from it has to participate if he is permitted to participate. And he continued to produce highly charged political and social imagery. And in 1963, his now famous collage, railroad collage, 
which superimposed a pinup girl in front of victims of a concentration camp caused a major outroar. And he died in 2008 in New York, and he was the last surviving founder of the art, no, of the no art movement. Um, so as an artist, he was very anti, anti-consumerism and started the no art movement. Um, and I think his life, and I think his experiences in World War II and being in concentration camps really informed his perspective on life as well. It, it actually impacted how he lived day to day as well. There's some firsthand statements from his friends that were saying that he would still live sort of nocturnally. He would not eat a lot. He would live in really bare, like bare thread conditions, um, sort of like how he might have lived if he was still in a concentration camp. And so that really never left him. But the whole reason we're talking about Boris is because he never sold a painting in his life, but he died being worth $100 million. And actually, not only did he never sell a piece of art, he also actively dissuaded buyers when there was a deal that was close to closing. Like, he didn't want to sell his art. Wait, wait, wait. So, so he would, like, show in a gallery? Yeah. Somebody was all like, oh, let me buy this. And he's like, no, 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 no. Here's why you don't want it. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Okay. <laughs> I feel like he would have loved living in this era because he could just have, like, an Instagram, and then that'd be the oh, end yeah. of that. Yeah, 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 and, like, not make, any, yeah, not make any money from selling his art, but he could still show it yeah. to, uh, yeah, it's true, that's true, I never thought about that. I feel like a lot of these artists would love the internet. Yeah, well, I mean, I think he would love the idea of the internet, but I think his no art movement would still stand, right? Like, he would be anti-consumers. I think he would be anti- like TikTok and well not TikTok all of TikTok but like like anti-influencers yeah anti-influencers who's like at this point are sort of walking billboards for certain companies right so he could have been the anti-influencer he could have been the anti-influencer yes that's great Boris Lurie the anti-influencer that's pretty good continue may his spirit continue yeah 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 well we're talking about Boris so keeping his spirit I, honestly i want to look into him some more yeah he so like metal yeah, yeah yeah i mean if um if people are interested in learning more about boris like he, he, with his all of his money that he left after he died he started the boris Lurie art foundation which is dedicated to reflect the life work and aspirations of boris Lurie and to preserve and promote the no art movement so people can go through that to to learn it's a little more. still, like, going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The foundation is still active. And as a matter of fact, they also do, they also support a variety of initiatives, uh, including exhibitions, publications, films, acquisitions, internships, and grants. So some of the money that mm. he had left is now used to sort of provide artists an opportunity to create. Yeah. But okay. also if I'm with this are, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if people are in New York, you can go see his exhibition, Boris Lurie, Nothing to Do But Try, which is uh, at the Museum of Jewish History. And it's going to be there through April 29, 2020. Okay, Manchi, I might go up and visit you. <laughs> yeah, oh, spring sorry, break trip to visit Manchi. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. 
I said April 29, 2020. It's April 29, 2022. Sorry. But yes. Man, she's still stuck. <laughs> I'm still stuck in the. I mean, in a way, we kind of are. Yeah. But yes, you guys come visit me, and then we can go tour the Forest Story exhibition. But maybe we'll run to the Gorilla Girls. Oh my god, that would be awesome. Did I ever tell you I saw one of them come to speak? Really? Yeah. In Texas? uh Uh-huh. She came to the DMA. Oh, wow. No way. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. I, well, I wish I was there. Did not know that. This, this was before the art drama llama days. <laughs> I mean, imagine that would be a great vlog if we went to the Boris Lurry Museum and then met a gorilla girl. Yeah, like in action, wild. like yeah. putting up their little propaganda. Yeah, it'd be awesome. I feel like maybe we can get them like for an interview. Yeah, I think so too. I really, I who I really want to get in an interview is uh, what's his name, Stemple, from the Pete versus Black. Because I want to be like, okay, dude, like, what what has happened since? Like, like has he contacted you at all, or is it like a cold war at this point, or yeah, is it whatever? Yeah, is there a is the is it becoming a trilogy? (laughs) Yeah, like, because like he's very like. Simple, he's very vocal about like his life, I guess, or how mm-hmm. things have progressed since since the incident. But I feel like Anish is like pretty quiet. Like we don't really know his thought process that much. Yeah. Aside from like the initial first reactions. Yeah. So more like, is he like privately contacting him, being like, I'm gonna get you, like, I haven't forgotten. Mm. And Stemple is just not like, you know, putting that out there because you know it's like a private like conversation. Yeah, so yeah or what... maybe maybe Kapoor like had some legal things, you know, done and uh, to prevent <laughs> Stemple from doing things. Exactly. I think two more years and it'll, and it'll be like ten years since that whole debacle. Oh yeah, yeah isn't yeah. that crazy? That's yeah, because. It feels so recent to me. <laughs> yeah, and if and if there were like legal proceedings to like mm. neither of them like putting out details, I feel like after ten years, like it's pretty okay to like talk about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, to back to Vertica's question, yeah, how exactly did this man accumulate like all this money <laughs> if he never sold? Is it one of those things? It's like it was priceless. <laughs> Like through like, time, it was priceless. Or because like Van Gogh, how after he died, all his paintings were worth so much more money. Yeah, or was it like a compound interest type of thing? Because he, like, obviously, he was known. Obviously, he he was of value when alive. So it was a compound interest because he could never sell. Therefore, or not he couldn't. Like he refused to sell. Therefore, it made it just more valuable. Well, I think you're you're going to be very disappointed because his wealth came from non-art related avenues. What? <laughs> yeah, so essentially he he invested in a ton of different things that all really paid off. Um, so first he invested in New York real estate 
he had a piece of the Ansonia, which was, uh, or which is like this amazing apartment complex on the Upper West Side. Um, and it for some time had the legendary continental baths in his basement. And then after he got involved in penny stocks, particularly ones focused on mobile technology in the third world markets, and this proved to be incredibly successful, uh, and then yielded essentially the, a lot of his $100 million that he had when he died. Um, but as we mentioned earlier, like all of this money was used to establish the Forest Literary Art Foundation, which is really meant to reflect his life, his work, um, the no art movement, and then also to really promote social visionary and art and culture now. Honestly, I feel like that's the only way to do it. Yeah. If you're in the humanities, you have to leave it for a while, make some money, <laughs> and then get that money and invest it back. Yeah. I yeah. feel like in a way, he became the change he wanted to see. I think so. I feel like he gamed the system, right? He invested money, and then it paid off, and now he can use that money in art, right? You know, like considering his like anti-consumerist stance, I guess he wasn't really being a consumer, but you know, he made some very wise decisions in the capital markets and then mm -hmm. can now use it to really support what he what he envisioned. I just think this is like a like a good avenue to help support the art world. So yeah. You heard it here, guys. You just gotta give up on your dreams work super hard <laughs> elsewhere and be a martyr and your sacrifice will bring the change you wish you had when you were part of the art world i mean in my opinion he could have no. divested from his investments before he died and still have mm -hmm. had a substantial amount without a doubt yeah all i'm saying is i think all artists should invest <laughs> and build wealth <laughs> to the extent possible no, yeah, that's that's what everybody comes to the conclusion to. Yeah. Once you're broke, you're like, hmm, maybe I need to change my life. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's I tough. feel like this podcast has been like a progression of me like being super fiery and then just accepting my fate. <laughs> yeah, I think out of all of us, you had the biggest character arc in the past uh, 20, 30 episodes. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, all right, guess I'm doomed. I mean, Boris still created his art, you know? He just uh, had some... No, yeah, there. I'm more like, I'm taking notes, Boris. I'm going to hit him <laughs> up or hit up his foundation and be like, hey, yeah. guys, want to give me a scholarship? It's my last <laughs> I mean, they also have internships so, and grants. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to go to New York. I don't know if you, well, I guess the grants, I think you don't have to be in New York, but maybe the internships. When it are... comes to the internships, um, I'm okay. Yeah. I mean, they might have some remote ones, especially now, given the era. So. Okay. If it's remote, most definitely. If not, I will not be at the Big Apple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> I think we're just too Texan yeah i uh i've gone very accustomed to texas so yes because or i don't know i just 
maybe I just don't like like American cities. Because when I've gone to like Europe or like Cuba and now recently Mexico, I'm like, yes, this makes sense. Mm. I get it. And then I went yeah. to New York. I'm like, this sucks. Yeah. Or when I went to Austin, I'm like, this place is disgusting. I didn't mind Austin as much. Um, I feel like for me, New York just first, I mean, it's just like purely concrete. And two, it's I feel like all the other cities in the world have sense like uh, have a have a sense of history behind them. Oh yeah. That's and the New first is- thing that hit me when I went to Europe. I was like, oh my gosh, they literally live in culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like all of New York, even though it is culture, I guess, but it just doesn't really feel like it because you can't be like Empire State Building. This happened, this, this. It's just like a cool architectural building, right? Like, I feel like that's mm-hmm. why I got famous, right? There's no actual, um, like, yeah. this is where this took place. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are like a few buildings where like if you look deep enough like there's probably some mm-hmm. type of like cool thing that happened there but yeah obviously not something big mm-hmm. I think in that type of like when you think about a city like that maybe like Washington DC or like Philadelphia yeah or Boston yeah. I guess those would yeah. be more cultural for Americans yeah that's true but also the way America like spread <laughs> like there's no like center like center to it I guess mm-hmm. like if yeah. you go to France like the central will be Paris mostly yeah. for the most part yeah. or like Spain it will be Madrid Barcelona um for England it will be like London and I'm sure they do have other hubs but it's like those are the big ones I guess for us it's LA New York yeah but it's like those it. they're <laughs> hubs because they're like financial slash entertainment. Like there's ma- massive yeah industries that are there versus like oh this is famous because all of history happened in this yeah area, yeah so. exactly yeah anyway right, so we're so boring <laughs> or I guess America is so boring <laughs> yes. There's not much also- you can do when your history is like 250 years old. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I also like the way of living here. Um, (laughs) Whenever I scroll on TikTok, I see people going to like stores in other countries or like especially convenience stores. I look at those a lot because I'm like, oh, it's so nice. Like if you go to Korea, Japan, even in Europe, like I feel like the convenience stores were kind of more high level (laughs) in a way (laughs) or even just like simple grocery stores you could get like I don't know fresh ish food but it was like Mm. still packaged you know but like here it's like you go to 7-eleven it's like meh review yeah I don't I don't know I've never like bought fresh food from like a 7-eleven or QT or whatever but still yeah well I think there's just not as much need because the distance for us to a 7-Eleven or a QT is the same as us going to a Target. That's true. <laughs> or like an, another grocery store. Mm-hmm. So maybe in like smaller towns, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very different. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like true. New York is known for like delis where you can get pretty fresh made sandwiches. Oh, okay. Like, mm-hmm. Stuff like that. So yeah. I mean, it's not groceries, but it's it's like 
sort of like the whole like oh there's cheap like, there's like, like fresh like, food yeah, yeah 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 exactly yeah maybe it's just the area we live in <laughs> it's just the suburbs <laughs> yeah I was looking at a map and I was like all you see is just like city everywhere yeah. around where we live yeah, yeah. same in oh, New York looks so ugly from the like <laughs> if you look at an aerial view of it it's just so bad well and, I think I don't know because like I feel like the suburbs here have a very different meaning outside of the U.S. Because, like, my family, they're from Mexico City, right? But they're not at the center of the city. They're on the, like, outskirts. So, technically, they would live in the suburbs. Hmm. But their suburbs do not look at all like what we live. Yeah. They're basically, like, little towns, like like miniature cities. Because you don't have to leave your neighborhood to go to the grocery store mm-hmm. or to go to the mechanic shop it's all there hmm. within like a f- max a 15 minute walk mm-hmm. um so i would say in the suburbs there if you say i'm from the suburbs it means like you have money oh mm-hmm. yeah so i, mean, I it, feel it, like our suburbs are just just the way that we like expand and maybe not is just very different from like the rest of the world yeah because the rest of the world is very like community-based and here we're very like individual like oh, I yeah. have to have my yard I have to have my driveway me 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 <laughs> yeah and everywhere else is like I just want like convenience and a roof over my head and like still be around people that, yes like- I will say that like the old people in Mexico they want their their space (laughs) and I'm like I guess after like 50 plus years of being around people you're like I want to be alone (laughs) well you know my stance on it I want my plot of land where I can I can't see anybody else around me exactly but I was gonna say like the northeastern suburbs are actually in my opinion feel very different from the Texas suburbs because and I don't know if it's just because we live in DFW where it's like two cities completely Can't you doxing connected. us? <laughs> I mean, uh, people know. Like, we go to the DMA. They know. Yeah. <laughs> as but, far as they know, we live in Dallas. <laughs> that's true. Okay, just like the DFW suburbs, right? It's like connecting yeah. two cities. So it's like all of it has become like this weird type One of, massive, like... Yeah. 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 Uh, like residential and somewhat commercial area mm-hmm. but I feel like when I went to out to the suburbs in New Jersey it felt like a tiny town like multiple tiny towns that were all connected um and much more quiet a lot more quiet like there's no highways right like oh yeah. you know like DFW and Fort Worth like every every suburb you can get to through by a highway so mm-hmm. um so I felt very different and, you know, it was very, like, each suburb was, it was like a tiny county, essentially. I don't know. I feel, I kind of like the appeal of that. There's too many highways over here. <laughs> and I don't drive on the highway, so. Oh, uh, that's because you don't drive on the highway. I, I still feel like driving is very convenient. <laughs> I don't like driving in general. Also, I, 
sorry, this is like totally off topic. Um, astigmatism, I have uh, it, but it's like, yeah. it's, I think it's like slowly getting worse. because mm. It definitely got worse this year when I went to go get it checked. Apparently there's a lot of people like at night, it makes like, I hate driving at night. Absolutely hate it. Or actually night is okay. But like, especially when it's like evening time dusk I guess and Mm. dawn and early in the morning because the way the light reflects like the street lights especially with the sunlight I didn't realize there was a whole group of people because I found a tweet on Twitter and everyone was like oh my gosh I was just I thought it was just me and I was like I found my people like oh Tika I have astigmatism too (laughs) you've never mentioned this yeah because like okay when I had glasses it was I guess my prescription I guess my stigmatism didn't really change. I just got more nearsighted over time. Mm. Um, But like my prescription was always able to cover my stigmatism, but my surgery didn't fully cover it. Oh no. (laughs) So it's like, so in the beginning, if I'm tired, like all the lights, um, and for me, it's not just dusk and dawn. It's it's just whenever there's lights, it'll be Mm. like a small, like a small circle. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah 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 I can't deal with bright lights like you know how in movies they have those clubs or like they'll show show the scenes oh my gosh how dramatic how dramatic (laughs) this is the most dramatic description ever (laughs) okay we can we'll cut this part out anyway (laughs) how dramatic I'm just my eyes are so tired right now (laughs) Oh man, my eyes keep watering. <laughs> so that's how I thought of it. But anyways, back From to Morris. Clubbing. Yeah, I mean that's 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 it on Boris. You know, Boris was a uh, grew up in World War II, went through some pretty terrible stuff, came to New York, started the no art movement didn't sell any paintings, didn't want to sell any paintings, uh, but died being worth $100 million. You know what this makes me think of? Yeah. Of that whole manifestation trend. He did not (laughs) want to fucking sell his art, make money out of his art, but he still got money. Yeah, because he manifested it. Well, okay. I wouldn't say he necessarily, like, manifested it, but from the few people that I've talked to that, like, practice that and the few and then like the tiktok video because it's super popular on tiktok right mm-hmm. so like and all the like tiktok videos that talk about it apparently it's all like you declare something and then you just stop caring about it and then it like happens <laughs> so he was probably like i want to be an artist he was an artist he's like screw the money and then money still found him well obviously <laughs> he like took the steps to like one in his uh, yeah, it's yeah. like make it happen, but at the same time, it could have blown up in his face, but it didn't. So yeah. I feel like this man has big manifestation energy, <laughs> or he's just lucky. <laughs> big manifestation energy. I mean, the penny stocks, like that was that was an inspired decision. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if he had like I don't know if he understood the industry or was just like these are cheap, I'm going to buy them and made a fortune off of it. But like, you know, mobile technology yeah. and third world markets is... From what I'm hearing is that he wasn't a greedy person. Therefore, the universe rewarded him. 
that's true. It's another way to look at it. Yeah. Also, he seems very like. What's the word that the youngsters use? Metal. <laughs> so I'm like, why is he not talked about more? I don't think he's metal. I think he had a lot of um, unresolved World War II issues. Um, metal. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're not a completely seasoned person full of flavor if you don't have some trauma in you. And he seems very flavorful. Yeah. yeah, He was not missing in that department. He was very seasoned. Yeah. I also feel like the no art movement like could has been should be a movement, right? Like I feel like everybody Yeah, I'm like it needs to be like sparked. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be the next one, guys. (laughs) Okay, you've convinced me. (laughs) You're gonna take up the mantle. Yeah, I'll take up the mantle. Well, I can't wait to see the hundred million dollars you're going to be worth in 20, 30 years. Better make some wise investment decisions. It's all going to be real estate. Yeah, there you go. There you go. It's a good time for it. Yeah. And I'm going to make housing actually affordable. So (laughs) if you have a house, you have me to thank. You heard it all here. I'm manifesting it, as I say. I'm putting it out into the world. And I'm not going to care about it in the next minute. But I will take the proper steps to, you know, have heartily build it and it'll it'll happen. It will happen. I mean, we'll reconvene in 30 years and Sandra will be like the largest. A tycoon? Yeah, she'll be the largest land developer slash landowner in Mexico. Um, I, uh, if I make it there, I'm a strong person. I believe in you. Okay, y'all heard it here. I'll be the next president. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh, my dream from fifth grade will happen. What was well, your dream? From fifth I wanted to be uh, the president. We'll make it happen. Yeah, I'm surprised my teacher did not shoot that down. You well, you can You know, you never she know. Was like, right? Yeah. Yeah, you you never know. Now that I think about it, I guess I've just always had an ego. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, you need one if you want to be the president, in my opinion. Well, okay. We'll see. We'll make a 30-year reunion. (laughs) All right. In 30 years, we're going to see if Sandra either became the president or the largest tycoon in the North American continent or became the next forest story. I can see it. All three? Okay. Perfect. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Well, on that note, as always, if you have any stories that you would like us to cover, email us at artdramalama at gmail.com. You should also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and Patreon, where all of our handles are artdramalama. And lastly, thank you for joining us, and we hope we can continue looking beyond the galleries with y'all next time. Bye, llamas. Bye. Bye. Vote for Sienja 2034. Let's make it happen, llamas. Let's go. Bet.